return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Oh, Father, thank you. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Your kingdom within us. Glory to God. Your power within us. Hallelujah. Your glory within us. Praise your wonderful name. Open our eyes, Lord. Help us to see it. Grant revelation knowledge even tonight. Lord, I don't care if it's sometime this week. May the light bulb just turn on so we understand who we are in Jesus Christ. And may we live it out. Reveal it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we started last time the uh, truth of Jesus becoming sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So tonight we're continuing it. The giant privileges that accompany righteousness. I mean, there's a lot. I'm not going to cover even half of them tonight, but there are a lot. So we're going to start with the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21, reading from the NIV tonight, God made him, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, who had no sin, whatever, to be sin, to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that little phrase, in Christ or in him, shows up in the scriptures 170 times. Always by the Apostle Paul, who had this amazing revelation, really, of who we really are in Christ. This new covenant is so much different, bigger, such a supernatural thing, what we've become in Christ. And most of us tend to take it for granted, either that we honestly don't understand what's all involved. So yeah. that's my job <laughs> tonight. I feel like we just have to kind of see it. And I want to just encourage you to engage the eyes of your understanding, the imagination, which is the womb of our faith. You have to actually see it. Um, by the way, of those 170 times, 27 of them are in the book of Ephesians. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Ephesians 2.1, Paul not only has this amazing revelation of who we are in Christ, but he has this understanding of the depth of where we were and the heights of where we are in Christ now. And so he paints this picture. Here's the Passion Bible. It starts with his fullness fills you, which is the supernatural place where we are right now in Christ. But this is where we started. You were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. And, you know, sometimes we have this picture that we were, we were doing okay, but we're starting to go down. And just hand me a right life, risk, life raft. I'll be okay. 
But no, we were dead, laying on the bottom of the ocean, folks. I mean, totally dead in our sins. And then, when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ. United. We talked about that inseparable union that we have now in Christ because of this righteousness that he's given us. He saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. We talked about that one other time. We're like aliens in this world. We really are because we are the new species of being. We have all this glory in us, this righteousness in us. And we are now co-seated with Christ as one inseparable friends inseparable. Hallelujah. So we talked about this union last time because of this free and glorious gift of righteousness, inseparably connected to Christ, a partaker of his divine nature. That means not just we get to just eat a meal once in a while with Jesus, friends. We're actually participating with his divine nature. Hallelujah. And our spirits are made alive in Christ. Our bodies are nothing but tools. Um, was it Bill Vanderbush recently had this little clip on Facebook? You know, some of us are living in a Lexus. <laughs> I don't know anybody in here. Some of us are living in Hondas. I mean, uh, he's talking about our bodies that we are carrying our spirit man along with, around in. The outside may be not that glorious or exciting, but the inside man, found, if we could see it, It glows, it radiates, it's alive and pulsing with life. So we've been immersed into baptized pickled, you remember how I talked about that last time, Um, into his death, into his resurrection, and even ascended with him in this place at the right hand of the Father. So Colossians 2, 12 and 13, again from the Passion, explains it a little bit. Sometimes we've heard these things over and over. We stop, we forget to just grasp what it really means. We have been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death or our immersion into his death also means we were raised with him. When we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised Jesus from death's realm. This realm of death which describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we have been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. That was the great exchange. Our sin, our depravity, the corruption of our old man, along with the entire curse of sin and its every effect. Because so many others in the world live attached to the world and connected to this curse, sometimes we think, well, that's the way it is. But we are not those people. We are the righteous. And therefore, we have been completely redeemed. I heard this wonderful definition of redemption the other day, and he read it right out of some concordance somewhere. So I'm going to have to look it up. But it said, completely, permanently released from, rescued from, Captivity. 
and he had this picture of a slave. And I just recently read a novel, so I really have this picture fresh in my mind because they strip most of these slaves down, you know. They're standing out there naked. They're in chains. They own nothing. They have nothing. And if a person, I think you're the one that was explaining, if you go visit a slave auction, it's only for two purposes. You either want a slave that you can purchase and take home to do whatever work you need, or you want to purchase him to set him free. Well, that's what Jesus did. He paid the full price, and we are released from every effect of the curse. Read Deuteronomy 28. I just dare you. None of that applies to you anymore. None of it. Hallelujah. We are set completely free. So this big exchange... Thus, our sin, our depravity, our corruption, along with the whole curse of sin and its every effect, including every form of bondage, every form of terror, torment, desolation, darkness, you name it. We have already been released from that. Now, did we somehow earn it? Were we just, God just say, oh. Yep, you deserve it. No, none of us deserve it. And our behavior had nothing to do with it. We talked about that last time. It's all by faith. It's that simple yes in our spirits that connects us to the living God. Hallelujah. That gift of righteousness and the grace that never ceases to flow on our behalf. Praise God. Now, I realize this is not new information. In fact, some of you are probably wondering, why is she doing all this? Why is she talking about this subject we already know everything about? Oh, you're not thinking that. Okay, good. Good to hear that. We've read it. We've heard it. It's been preached in our midst for a long, long time. But for some, it gets so that it's only intellectual information, and it has not yet been established in our heart or Anchored in our subconscious. It's really an amazing gift, this gift of righteousness, because it's a spiritual force. It's a spiritual force that comes with supernatural benefits and divine privileges. Now, this scripture, did I give it to you, Ephesians 4.23? It says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and we've never really talked about this much, but what it means is it has to get past your head, past your intellect, into your very subconscious. Because that's really what rules how we react, how we respond, and what we're experiencing in our life. And the rest of this verse says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on that new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. In other words, this new creation we've become in Christ is only going to be created or become a reality when our mind, our very subconscious, comes into agreement and into unity with what God says. So we have this body, I don't know, you want to call it a Honda, you want to call it a Lexus, you want to call it, oh, Michael, you're a, you're a, oh, a Studebaker, okay. (laughs) Whatever you are, you're carrying around this amazingly glorious gift of God, this spiritual force that is full of pulsing with life. Remember we talked about it once before, this motorcycle, I mean, your spirit man is surging 
with power, absolutely surging with power. The goal is to get our mind, our will, our emotions, our soul, and our body to come into agreement with what our spirit man already knows and is experiencing. So that's the whole point, of course, of renewing our mind, right? Unless we come into that place where our mind gets renewed to the reality of righteousness, we're not going to be living that abundant life or the victorious life that belongs to the righteous. And I repeat, the victorious life belongs to the righteous. When emotions like hopelessness show up, or worthlessness, or anxiety, or fear, when we begin to actually see ourselves as sick, in lack, not succeeding, not prevailing in life, it's because our subconscious In our subconscious, we actually see ourselves as subject to and alive to sin instead of alive to Christ and alive to righteousness. It really is how attached we are to, and you know, like like Psalm 91, all those promises, some of you quote those all the time, right? But all those promises are not to just anybody, it's to the one attached Attached That verse that says, I think it's verse 14, um, because your love is set upon me, says the Lord. Set upon me actually means in the Greek, attached to, like inseparably connected to again. That's the person that's going to experience those blessings. Romans 8, 2, King James It clearly says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's a whole, it's, it's, it's worth considering, declaring, studying it, trying to come again into agreement with our spirit man that already knows, hey, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm powerful. I got what it takes to prevail. So we've talked about this disconnect before. What the Bible says is ours in Christ is not always what we're experiencing. Well, that's again the entire point of renewing our minds, right? Romans 12, 2, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's still the truth that sets men free, not just knowing the truth, Not just intellectually having it filed there in your brain, but coming into agreement with that truth and activating it with your faith. Because we're in right standing with God, which is the best definition of righteousness there is. Right standing with God. Because we are, now it's about how we act. Well, sorry, it's the opposite. It's not how we act. It's not about how we act. It's who we are. Or we talked about it last week. It's not something I have, it's something I am. I don't have righteousness. It's not a little trophy on my bookcase at home. That Okay, now I have righteousness. No, it's now something that we are. Our new identity is no longer a sinner. In fact, to say I'm a sinner saved by grace is an anomaly. You can't be both. You are either a sinner without Christ or you are 
saved, sozoed, completely rescued from sin and its every effect. Hallelujah. We are now citizens of the kingdom of God and everything in that kingdom is now ours. Hallelujah. It's our choice whether we want to partake or not. But our name, your name, is already attached to the full inheritance in Jesus Christ. So we started looking last week at some of those divine privileges. So that's where we're going to go now. The first one we talked about last time was this privilege of answered prayer. 1 Peter 3.12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. Hallelujah. James 5.16, very, very famous verse. We've all got that figured out, right? The prayer of the... It's the righteous that God promises your prayers avail for much. In other words, a whole lot of power is released when you pray. I had something happen the other day. I guess it was with my son. He, he texted that he was just diagnosed with influenza A and da-da-da-da-da. And he couldn't have Thanksgiving with us. And I'm really sick. And da-da-da-da. So he calls. And on the phone, I told Steve, put on the speakerphone. I want to talk to him. So he's talking. And then right away, I just said, I release healing to you in Jesus' name. That was what, what night? Was that Wednesday night? It was Tuesday. Okay, so, well, the Lord took a, I don't know when God did it. I just know that Thanksgiving morning when he wasn't supposed to go with us, he calls me and I says, Alex, what are you doing? I'm halfway to Sioux Falls because we're supposed to drive to Omaha. He says, well, I miraculously woke up this morning completely uncongested. I said, okay, then you're driving. (laughs) So that worked out really good, but... I mean, because I was struggling with the Lord, like, I feel like I have to touch people. Do you ever do that? I mean, I I think that only the power can be released if I touch them. But the truth is, we have this authority. What happened with Jesus and the centurion, right? The centurion said, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word. We've got that same power. we got that same authority. We can speak it. We can release it. And something happens in the spirit world. Why? Because there's spiritual force and power within us. Hallelujah. So our father's ears, back to the other scripture, if you can still access it. His ears are tuned to the requests of the righteous. That's you. The father's ears. He hears Helen is talking. Like, oh, he perks up. That's one of my beloved. Do you understand this? The father loves it when you talk to him. His ears perk up. His eyes are always upon you. There is never a moment, friends, never a moment that he's not aware and attentive of your every need because you're the righteous. There's never a moment when you're alone. Never. Never a moment when his power is not available to you. Friends, it's actually within us. The power, the same life that raised Christ from the dead. So secondly, we looked at this amazing privilege of favor. It accompanies the righteous. Psalm 512. I think we read it last week from the King James. So we're going to read it from the Passion tonight. Lord, how wonderfully you bless the righteous. Actually, I should have had an entire point of just the blessing. Just to be his. 
And there is blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. In fact, the blessing itself is a spiritual force, friends. You're either the blessed or you're the cursed. And I'm telling you, if you're righteous, you're the blessed. So how wonderfully you bless the righteous. Your favor wraps around each one and covers them under your canopy of kindness and joy. I was reading something the other day in my Bible about the banner of the Lord, and I had this little note along the bottom. Who knows? When was ISIS so big? I guess they still are in some parts of the world, right? But they have this banner that they carry everywhere that, um, do you know how to pronounce that word? Something about death to every infidel, everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. I mean, that's what their banner says, death. We're out to kill. Well, the banner of the Lord is what? Love. The ban- I, his banner over me is love. Hallelujah. And this favor wraps around you. I mean, in the spirit world, when they see you coming, the demons kind of move out of the way. Because you are carrying glory. You are carrying power. You literally radiate the glory of God. Ephesians says every spiritual blessing under heaven is ours. Is that right? We are blessed and we cannot be cursed. Jeannie had that amazing sermon once about Balak and Balaam. You know, Balak hired Balaam. He offered him money, money, more money. Come on, I'll give you this gift and this gift. Just curse those people over there. He said, well, okay, you can give me all the money you want, but listen, I can't do it. It's impossible to curse the righteous. Period. Period. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's Old Covenant. (laughs) Think what it is in the New Covenant, friends. And in the New Covenant is better because Christ in us is the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Number three, divine privilege. And we looked at this from Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon. Absolutely no weapon. I don't care. They can form it. They can shape it. They can have it on the shelf ready to go. He can have his arrow pointed right at you be within inches, and I'm telling you, it will not have effect. That's what the Bible says. No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Because why? Look at here. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me. It's null and void, friends. No matter what they come up with, it's null and void if you're the righteous. Praise God. I don't care what the enemy comes up with to hurt you. He can't succeed. He can't succeed. I should hear a few hallelujahs out there. Glory to God. All right, number four. Um, Actually, stay right here because this little phrase here where it says, their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. In several translations, it reads like this. Their victory is of me, says the Lord. Now, why would it do that? Because righteousness and victory are synonymous. That's the old covenant even, friends. It was known, it was understood that if you were the righteous, you were the victorious one. And it's even better in the New Testament, friends. And we'll look at some of them. But that's the fourth divine privilege I want to look at. And that is this amazing thing about being victorious and reigning in life. So let's look at Romans 5, 17. 
For it declares, if by one's man's offense, and we're talking about the first Adam, one man's offense, death reigned by one. How much more, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? I must be reading from a different translation, but it all means the same thing, right? We have two biggies listed here. The gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. Now, if he didn't even mention grace, if all he mentioned was the gift of righteousness, that alone would be amazing and powerful. Because again, we're talking about perfect and right standing with God. We do not have to crawl our way to God. We do not have to keep ourselves at a distance. We do not have to pray through another person. We can come right to the throne. It's a throne of grace, a throne which grace means favor. Favor. Hallelujah. We're talking about inseparable union with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about participation with his divine nature. We're talking about rights to every part of who he is. And I just found this verse yesterday. So I asked, um, help me out. What's his first name? Jeremy. Thank you. Okay, Jeremy, here it is. From the Passion. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. The couple verses right in front of this is about the spirit of adoption that's been given us. The Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit, now look at this, All that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him provided that we accept his sufferings on our own. The whole point is that part of this inheritance is everything he is. You can list off everything about Christ. Wisdom, peace, joy, righteousness, holiness. It's ours. Compassion. I mean, I'm not by myself nature. Um, how do I put it? Deb Kalsbeck by herself is not the most kind, compassionate person. But you know what? Now that I, I just remind myself daily, I have compassion himself in me. Compassion himself. Generosity. Are you just naturally generous all by yourself? Steve Kalsbeck is, but yeah, I just look in the mirror and I think, ah, I have generosity himself living in me now. How'd you do on Giving Tuesday, guys? Oh, nobody's raising their hand. (laughs) Good. Anyway, all these things, wisdom. I mean, I always hear people like, well, I'm just not smart. I can't do that. I can't talk in front of people. Hey, listen, we got the master communicator living in us. There's nothing we cannot do. I'm talking too much. Sorry. Okay. And if that's not enough to blow your mind, this whole business of the gift of righteousness, then this verse back here in Romans 5, 17 talks about this grace 
which one commentator calls it super hyper abundant grace. Here's the boring rendition of King James, which is loaded with meaning, but here's what it says. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, grace itself, I mean, if all we were talking about was just the one single word grace, we're talking about favor, immense favor, ridiculous favor. We're talking about unconditional love. We're talking about amazing and prevailing power. But when he adds the word abound on top of grace, then all of a sudden we have this picture of a flood. And I was reading Rick Renner's whole rendition, and I just, I'm just going to try to give you a little rendition of what Rick Renner said. First of all, wherever sin exists, that word in the Greek is actually pleonazo, which means something that exists in abundance. I don't know, can you think of anything in the world right now in regards to sin that seems to be in abundance? Yeah, we can think of drugs, we can think of sex trafficking, you can think of racial messes, prejudice. I mean, it seems like that's the quality of sin, right? It kind of tends to multiply and and increase. Well, the word for abounding grace is this word... Which is supposed to have the picture. Let me see if I can read how Rick Renner said it. The picture of God's grace that the Greek portrays is of a giant river being flooded with waters from upstream. Hmm, that makes me think of that song we used to sing in the 70s. I'm not sure we believed it, but there's a river of life that flows from us that will raise the dead. What? Cause the blind to see. The Lord said that to me too the other day. He was giving me that verse. Did you go to the chosen, anybody? I had some problems with a couple of the, that third season, a little bit of the doctrine, but there was one thing where he's, stand, he's sitting there with all these disciples and he says, go raise the dead. And that verse has stuck with me and with me and with me. Like, what? I could raise the dead? Well, at the very least, Debbie, you can pray for people and see them healed. So anyway, it's, it's just kind of exciting. So the thing is, I have three minutes to finish here. Grace abounds. Like it is like this flood coming at you from above. We are in the dispensation right now. Have you studied it? Dispensation of grace. That's the church age we're in right now. That means it's not just this little trickle. It's a flood of grace and power and favor that's flowing to us. I need you to see it. I want you to see it. I want you to see this flood of favor and this flood of power that's flowing towards you because you are the righteous. Hallelujah. So back to this privilege we've been discussing of living and walking in victory. Think about this. God is a warrior. Did I give you, I gave you two verses. Let's just look at one of those. Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Well, guess what? The Lord has never lost a battle yet. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The champion himself lives in us. So his victorious nature is also in us. I'm telling you, the power of Christ rests upon us. That's an exact quote out of 2 Corinthians 12.9. So here's one of my favorites. 2 Corinthians 2.14. We must see this. 
I love how it starts with now. Because we all think, well, it's coming down the road. When I die, I'll have the victory. We're not going to need the victory then. Everything's going to be perfect. We need it now, now, now. And the next word is thanks be unto God. There is something so spiritual about about giving thanks because it opens doors. It breaks chains. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. One more verse, please. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, where it says, and you've got to put your name in this. Thanks be to God. We're going to use the word who. Who giveth. Natalie Watson, Deb Cosback, Helen Buse. Thanks be unto God which giveth me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's end with a couple declarations. Stand with me, will you? Everyone born of God overcomes the world, friends, and that's you. That's you. Here we go. Jesus became sin. Then I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. I am resurrected to new life in Christ. And even now, this very moment, I am seated in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, I no longer live, but Christ lives his life in me. His righteousness has become my righteousness. His life is being dispensed into me. His power surges through me. His spirit quickens me. me. And I am alive alive with the life of Christ. Christ. Thanks be unto God. God. Now put your name in here. Who causes Deb calls back in every situation situation. to triumph. triumph. It's Christ in me. The hope of glory. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you that your word is forever, forever, forever settled in heaven. And we thank you for this privilege of your life living in us, surging in us. Hallelujah. Bless your people. Bless their socks off, Lord, and help them to see and know and get a revelation of who they really are in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife@brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.